Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport. For today's episode of the Broadcast Sport podcast, Max Miller talks to Claire McArdle from Collective Media Group. So I run Collective Media Group along with uh, Rebecca Knight and we launched in July of last year and we are a premium factual production company. Uh, Rebecca and I uh, had worked together previously at, well, what was Viacom International, became Viacom CBS International, now now Paramount. Um, So we sort of come from quite an international background in that that respect. Um, And the production company, effectively, we work across across two areas. We have collective media sport, and then we have the premium uh, unscripted piece of the business. And they, they sort of both work Work, work very much together uh, and Collective Media Sport is headed up by Matt Wilkinson. Okay, cool. And so Sport has been a more, a recent addition. It wasn't there at the launch, I guess. And I think we, I would say Sport in the unscripted piece of the business probably makes up about 60 to 70% of the, of the projects that we're, that we're working on. Um, and Collective Media Sport, we sort of formalised um, uh, sort of towards the end of towards the end of last year, but it was it was a bit of the bit of the business that had sort of been there from the start. But as that started to grow, uh, we wanted to sort of just just formalise that and have that sit sort of slightly separate, but feed into the feed into the main business. What kinds of content is Collective Media Sport making? Are they doing all of your sports stuff going through that division? Is there a split between the two? So, so Collective Media Sport sort of works directly with sports rights holders, clubs, federations, teams um, and brands to help develop and distribute content around their own IP. So whether that is particular tournaments or, or, sort of, or, or things that they're working on specifically and, and helping to work with them to broaden out um, their appeal around that programming or get to new audiences. So effectively, Collective Media Sports sits as a sort of an end-to-end piece for for, for those type of buyers or, 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 or clients. So it's creative consultancy all the way through from, from sort of point, point A all the way through to, to, to distribution. And that can be kind of live content or documentaries or anything. That, like yeah, that. That's, that, that sort of sits, sits across the board. It tends to be more in the space of support programming around live at the moment, um, and particularly in terms of sort of adapting that programming to feel more like entertainment or to to reach sort of a younger or broader audience. Going to that kind of younger, kind of broad audience. Did you go for that audience and that idea because you saw it as kind of um, the future and what rights holders need to look at doing more and so on? A A little bit of both in terms of we were being approached by rights holders around around programming in that space um it's an area that that matt specifically has been working in for several years before he then sort of became became part of the company as well i think there's definitely been a, a need there i think it's it's a um it's it's a response to a desire on the part of rights holders and and, and owners of sports ip to to sort of get to a a, 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 bro- a broader audience i think every day Everybody wants their drive to survive as, as well. And then you tell them what that entails and then maybe not everybody does want their, does want their drive to survive. But I think there's, it's, such, it's such a competitive market at the moment as well um, in, terms, in terms of getting, getting to audiences. So it, there's, part of it is, is sort of us 
working with sort of organizations, bodies, et cetera, that, that we've worked with before and saying, have you thought about this market here? And, and part of it is, you know, everybody's working with, with a huge amount of data these days. They, they know who they've got to, who they've got to get to or, or, or where the sort of the, the gaps in their audience base are as well. Everyone wants their own drive to survive. <laughs> How have you found the conversations with getting that kind of access? We've got a team that have sort of really deep relationships across the board in, in sports, which is which has helped. Um, uh, and and we tend to be working sort of directly with that access and then building up what would a, what would programming look like and that rather than sort of going going the other way around sort of having sort of maybe targeting access and 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 then trying to sort of trying to find a way in it, it tends to be that, that we are working with with partners that we've got relationships with already we've got areas where we have sort of really deep relationships such as football or golf uh, and starting to, to starting to build build out from there and, and, and work sort of beyond those core sports for the company you mentioned it's kind of an end-to-end offering i guess do you see that as kind of the way things are going as well handling both the production and the distribu- distribution yourselves i think so i think there's there's either ourselves or sort of partnering with distributors that we already that we already work with um, I think having those sort of direct relationships with channels is very helpful and also having uh, sort of an international view of, of where where content can sit sort of beyond beyond the UK is, is particularly helpful because that those are the audiences that a lot of these partners are looking to looking to get to. It's how what are the territories where they can they can start to build build an audience where perhaps they they haven't before. The Legends Tour with golf mm-hmm. that you're working on at the moment and also a documentary around the Brazil 2002 World Cup team with Roberto Carlos and Juliana Belletti. Both of those, like, which I guess are pretty based around access. Two of them, in terms of the live stuff, is about getting close to the legends. So Brazil came out of a relationship that we have with Entourage Sports and Entertainment. That works particularly well because because obviously we're we're in the production side of things. That's not that's not a space that that's not a space that they're in, and they had a particular. Um, you know, a, a particular idea around doing something with Roberto and Giuliano and and um, and the the sort of archive that Giuliano particularly had created around that that World Cup was was something that I haven't seen before, and it was incredibly exciting to to get access to that, and and it was very, it was obvious not not just that there was there's the relevance because it's the twentieth anniversary of that of that win. But that it was it was giving insight into something that hasn't really been seen before. There are some some particular moments in the in the footage where it feels like a, a, a privilege to see to see sort of that that sort of what what it's like to actually be a team in camp in that way and in the days before social media as well. You know, it's two, it's two thousand and two. It's a very different it's a very different time. There were elements of that story that that I didn't know that are sort of the sort of the the reaction that was happening in Brazil, the lead up to the tournament, the fact that Brazil almost didn't qualify for that World Cup, which would have been you know inconceivable. Obviously, you know ninety eight and the spectre of ninety eight is something that that I remember very clearly. Um, not just because it was the last World Cup that my own country <laughs> played in. I'm still haunted by the deflated bagpipes on the uh, on the steps of the Champs Elysees, but um, but th- that was such a you know a monumental moment in, in '98, and so much kind of controversy around that. And then how do you build back 
from that. It had it's got all the elements of a great sports documentary. No, definitely. It sounds really amazingly well exciting. You can't have um, Roberto Carlos and Giuliano Belletti coming to you and then telling them no, I don't think. But um <laughs> that was okay. that was unli- unlikely to happen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um so you mentioned that came through a deal with Entourage Sports and Entertainment. Is that kind of an ongoing thing? You'll continue to make more projects with them going forward? Again, as a company, we're just incredibly collaborative and, and open to those to those type of projects. Um, and because of sort of the, the skill sets within the company as well. So I lead very much on the sort of creative and the editorial side. Um, Rebecca's very much more sort of commercial and business affairs and production. So we sort of bring sort of the, we like to think we bring bring the whole to things rather, rather than sort of necessarily just having the creative view. There's a project like um, Brazil 2002 as well. There's a huge amount you have to deal with in terms of archive and clearances and, and all of that that side of things. And, and, and that's something that, that we are very used to working with. Um, so I think... And that's that's with any of these sort of documentaries where you're where you're sort of dealing with particularly sort of World Cup archive and things like that. You sort of need to be need to be up on your game in terms of in terms of how, how you how sort of how you use and how you budget around that type of that type of production. Yeah, I mean, archive from that tournament must be amazing to work with because it's got. Um, well, I'm still haunted by Ronaldinho's goal against England, so. Um, I think we. I, I am not haunted by that goal. You won't, <laughs> you won't be surprised. You won't be surprised to hear. But yes, it was. Um, it was fun um, going back and and re and reliving that game from my perspective. <laughs> With um, Collective Media Group, are you looking more towards documentaries that are kind of archive based or more with interviews or kind of just it, open to anything? It re- yeah, it, re- it really depends. I think what we. We have we have sort of several projects in development. They're very much sort of access based and and and, and talent based. That are sort of about particular stories that talent want to tell. I think what's interesting to us are projects that have something about revelatory or something you haven't seen before. Or I think you have to think very carefully about whether a project is sort of an archive and talking heads based or do you need to bring something else into that or what are the devices that you're using I think audiences are really sophisticated around sports documentary I think there's sort of a whole a whole sort of range of 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 sort of how how that can be approached so we have we have a a, a project that's in development at the moment that will probably require quite a lot of drama recon in order to make it work and that's very exciting and, and equally we've we've got projects that are that are much more archive based um but that's that's part of the really exciting creative challenge around sports documentaries in particular because of everything that sort of sport entails and I'm a obviously a huge sports fan but but it's all the it's all the components of great storytelling you've got you know emotion jeopardy you've got the hero to zero and zero to hero stories you've got fantastic narrative arcs you've got big business and shady characters and it's you know there's 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 a lot to there's a lot a lot to play with um which is which is really exciting and all the just all the best elements of of good storytelling i think that's what's interesting for us is, is where where are the really interesting stories where are the things that you might not have heard before or are a different take yeah and it seems at the moment there's huge demand for pretty much 
any kind of sports documentary across a lot of the streaming platforms and also the linear broadcasters. You have these stories that some, I mean, it doesn't even matter if you know anything about the sport. I thought, you know, I thought there were some fantastic stories in Untold, in Bad Sport. And, you know, I end up watching a documentary about ice hockey or I think that's, I think that's what these sort of docs open up is that if the story's there, it doesn't matter if you know about the you know about the sport. I mean, the other the other sort of documentary that everybody sort of cites at the moment, both on both on the talent side and on the buyer side, is the Last Dance, and you know you literally could not get enough of that because it was layer after layer. It was you know you had that archive from the time. The fact that sports documentaries can sort of drive that type of interest, even if you even if you don't know anything about the sport, and 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 actually that bring in sort of co-viewing as well, and it might not be. You might start watching something and get get drawn in. You know, a partner gets drawn in because the story's there. It's, um, it's yeah, really interesting time. Do you think that can continue, or do you think we're reaching a point where maybe it will peak and the peak sports stock or something? All about the story is good enough. You know, you can you can churn out you know sort of you know talking heads docs till the guys come home, but but if there if there's something in there that's a that's a a revelation or a side of somebody's character that you've not seen before or you're looking under you know sort of under the bonnet I, I think that's there will always there will always be an interest in those type of documentaries and was it Senna that kicked it all off or sort of and that's been how many years you know it's I think as, as long as you, as long as you're approaching it in a way that feels fresh and you're telling a story in a way that hasn't been heard I think I think there's an audience there for it. What do you see as kind of collective media group's unique selling point or unique kind of thing you're trying to bring to people I, I I think it's the I think it's the relationships that we had that the team have and and those are you know whether that's directly with talent or with clubs or with rights holders or with agents or you know we those those relationships are are real and deep and I think we pride ourselves on being people that you can trust as well which I think in this industry is um is important you know we're, we're not going to not tell a story in the way it needs to be told and we're not going to not ask difficult questions um but we will be very open and collaborative through that process and I think sometimes we do have a slightly different perspective on things because it's a female company I think we maybe sort of see an angle or a story or ask a question that maybe other people haven't asked before a particular sensitivity around certain things or or that 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 gets us to a different place and that's a very nice segue into one of my other questions which was um being kind of led by yourself and Rebecca um yep. the other co-CEO how have you found I mean you've both got lots of experience but founding your own company and coming into the sport industry which is obviously massively male dominate white male dominated Mm. um how have you found that coming in have you thought what has been your first thoughts on that I think because we tend to have developed the relationship with the talent first or have the access first we're maybe not experiencing as much of the sort of the challenges of sort of trying to trying to break into we're sort of doing it in a slightly different way I think as well and you know our, our the Brazil film 
sold to Univision in the US before it sold anywhere else. So so we're sort of taking a different approach in that in that respect in terms of you know how we're how we're taking projects out and 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 packaging them up. But I I think I think it's really I think it is a really challenging environment and and you have sort of there are women out there doing amazing things. You've got, you know, Victoria Rush's doc, No Women, No Try. You've got Rosemary Reed's series, the, the driving force piece, but that sort of covered, you know, pretty much every top female sports person in the UK. But it's, it's, I think when you take out, when you take out those female stories, then it gets tough. If I'm, if I'm walking into a room trying to sell Roberta Carlos and Juliana Valetti and the 2002 World Cup team, that's, that that gets in the door, but if but if you're out there trying to tell those stories about women in sport, I would say that is that is still uh, unacceptably tough sell. Um, and I think there's a perception, even though all of the all of the figures and the and the stats are saying that women's sport is growing and the audience for women's sport is growing, it still feels like the getting stories out there about female athletes and female sport is a is a challenge yeah it definitely seems on the live sport front that people are tuning in with the 100 you mentioned six nations the uh, wsl this year on bbc and sky sports exactly really the, I'm sure, i mean the 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 women's world cup the women's euros i mean you know feels like those yeah. those kind of game changer moments have happened yeah i mean i think i saw recently was the zone picked up a behind the scenes on the chelsea women's side mm. docuseries um, but generally speaking, there seem to be fewer than from men's sport, obviously. Yeah, and, and and it's the stories in women's sport are often more multi-layered, more because in a lot of sports, women are still working jobs as well as trying to be professional sports women. Do you think that will change as kind of we go forward and broadcasters look for content to fit around those live rights, which? Seem to be doing I would, well. I would, I would really hope so. If the story's there and the story's compelling enough, then it kind of shouldn't matter whether it's a, you know, whether it's a female sports star or a male sports star. It's obviously been quite a hard time for companies recruiting. The, the skill shortage is real. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I've been in the industry for nearly twenty years. I have never seen anything like it in terms of, you know, uh, and that's not a bad thing that everybody's that everybody's working. Um, but it does, it does, you know, raise questions around how we how we get more people into the industry, um, and a more diverse range of people into the into the industry as well. Um, you know, and it's something we we've been very open to in terms of if somebody has a skit might not have the skill set from sort of a tv background but if they're bringing it from somewhere else if somebody's bringing a skill from journalism or you know that those are those are all those are all sort of use, useful skills collective media group sport division is quite new where would you hope to be in in one year's time in terms of the content you're making and the ambitions of the company we're ambitious in terms of of growth in terms of where we want to be um i think there's you know we've got some really exciting projects on the on the slate and I would I would hope that they would then sort of generate um generate projects with with other talent I would like 
I think both Rebecca and I very much feel like we would like to be a place that talent feel that they can come and have their stories authentically told. I think that's really important to us, and I think that's 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 something that sort of in the next in the next year, um, if that's what if that's what people are saying about us, I think we'd be we'd be very happy indeed. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast. We'll have more soon, so subscribe now, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.